Welcome back to another episode of Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by myself, DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. And with me, as always, is Jacob Sanderson, who is no longer a jumbled mess of numbers or letters or whatever he had in his Twitter handle. It now makes sense. It's at Jacob Sanderson. And uh, I was gone last week. Glad to be back. I listened to the cash show. It was pretty good. I'm a little worried that I'm on um, could get Wally, Wally here. That's what I said. Akash. You said Akash. Well, I don't know. It's Akash. I listened to the Akash show and it was pretty good. And I'm concerned I'm getting replaced. Yeah, as, as people know, if they listen to the deadline seller show with Akash last week, <laughs> uh, they know that Drew left the program. He was gallivanting in Vegas. I, I have a question for you. Drew, when you're watching Akash and I put in all sorts of effort to grind out another two-hour podcast, bringing you all of the dynasty strategy that we can muster, and you're off gallivanting in Vegas, wearing a bunch of black suits, not smiling, looking like Count Dracula in every single photo that you post, do you feel like you let the teammates of yours down in this scenario where Akash and I are working, you're gallivanting, you're posting dinners, we're giving takes? Did you let us down this week? No, I absolutely did not let you down. The only person that could have let you really? down was because people put the film me. of of you not working on Twitter in a lot of compilations where you know you were you, you were throwing errant passes, so to speak. <laughs> That's a manner of phrasing, right? People have, have say that you played quite poorly. Uh, you know, you only put up three downloads last week. Uh, are you sure you didn't let the team down? Well, here's the thing. The other team also only put up three downloads, and I think we should probably be looking at the special teams, like maybe Matt, the producer, for oh, I see. Uh, getting us. I thought you were going to blame the wind. No, 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 no. It, well, I mean, it was windy as well, and uh, <laughs> Vegas is surprisingly cold this time of year, so that was also a factor. But uh, really, it was the special teams that let us down. They were the ones who uh, failed us in the waning moments of the game, and therefore, I accept none of the blame. And uh, we'll carry on and hopefully get to play again this week. Or or not. It doesn't really matter because I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, at least you went there. Uh, at least you went to Vegas with your wife, not not your mom's friend. Not what? My mom's friend? You went no, to Vegas I'm with your wife, my not, mom's best, not your mom's best friend. <laughs> All no, right. No. If people haven't clued in, of course, we're going to start off the show talking about Zach Wilson. We also plan to do the... Uh, the bookend of last week's programming where we discussed trade deadlines from the seller's perspective. We're going to talk a little bit from the buyer's perspective. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to talk about the mom's friend banger, uh, Zachary Wilson. And I think people thought pretty lowly of him coming off his rookie season, but he still carried pretty considerable startup value. Like he was still regularly going in like round five type zone of startups. Was seen, you know, generally on the same plane as a Mac Jones in terms of these young quarterbacks. We had some questions about has not gone well so far for Zach Wilson. He suffers an injury in training camp, and since coming back, he has posted a PFF grade of forty four. That is the worst. Uh, worst graded quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York football jets will not commit to starting him this following week against the bears. All of this is within his first, what 20 or so starts as an NFL player as the second overall pick. And he's already being considered to be sent to the bench. 
not something we tend to see this fast out of second overall picks. Uh, is this all over but the crying for Zach Wilson? Like, are we just dumping him for round three picks? Is there any hope left? How are we approaching this? I, I like. I think there's two questions here. One is, is there any hope left for Zach Wilson? I would say probably not. I I am certainly not going out into the world and saying Zach Wilson is a buy low because I believe he is better than he has shown. That is, that is not my messaging whatsoever. I believe he's probably just as bad as he was shown. Like we rarely see quarterbacks played entire game and put up 77 passing yards. Um, like, like especially when they're not a mobile quarterback, like if Justin Fields went on through, you know, 77 passing yards and then also had 150 yards rushing, it'd be like, yeah, okay. Like he did his job. Do you, do you know how many net yards of offense the jets had in the second half of that game? I do not. They had two. That's pretty pretty uh, subpar, but I mean the defense also <laughs> needed to do their job, and special teams <laughs> let them all down. So we have to consider every facet of the football game. We need to win on every level, in every situation, and we did not do that as the New York Jets. But like really, Zach Wilson had like a solid profile. I thought I I wouldn't have said he was my favorite quarterback by any stretch. But he was a solid quarterback prospect. He absolutely lit up the uh, – what division did he play in? Mountain Some West Conference. Well, actually, I think BYU was an independent by then. So I think oh. he lit up the independents. He lit up the independents. <laughs> uh, like he, he was really quite good by most – For metrics. one season. He was really For good one. his last season. He was not very good before that. He was completely mediocre before that. He wasn't bad, though. Like, let's not get carried away. He wasn't bad. He wasn't horrendous, but there was nothing in his profile to indicate until his senior year that he was going to be a second overall pick or even a day two pick, really. I was going to say, he wasn't even considered, like, a prospect. Like, I didn't even know who he was, and I played quite a lot of Debbie. And, uh, but, like, Joe Burrow wasn't all that different from that either. Like, we see these players that pop in their final year and, and still have success in the NFL. Quarterback isn't quite like other positions, I found anyway, in that when you break out at 18, that is, you know, the truth, or at 19. I think it helps by, by you know, <laughs> by any stretch. It's it's not a bad thing. Yeah, well, it gives us a better sample, right? Like, you're yeah. at least, it's it's just intuitively, you'd rather be grading a player of being like, we have 30 games of this guy being really good versus exactly. we have 10 games of this guy being really good, especially when you're playing at BYU and you're not playing all that many teams. Like, it's just hard to be like, oh, this guy has like one small sample of being really good against not great opponents. But to your point, I did not like Zach Wilson as much coming out. But to be entirely honest, like, I I almost abstain from quarterback evaluation for rookies. Like the way I look at it is that I'm just like we tend to not really know that much of like we just aren't as good, frankly, at evaluating quarterbacks as rookies as we are at other positions. Um, and I think a big reason for that is that like look at like a Najee Harris. We both agree. Some people don't, but I think the community generally agrees that Najee Harris isn't actually very good at football. Um it didn't matter as rookie season and, and, you know, it didn't matter last week. It mattered for much of the season, but so long as you just get a bunch of volume, it's like, we're talking degrees here, right? Like Najee Harris can either be like a massive hit or a middling hit or whatever, but you're not just going to be a non hit. If you're first round running back, cause they're going to give you the ball and then it's going to be fine. Even if you are bad. 
a quarterback, like you actually have to be good. So the draft capital is less of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it only makes sense that we're going to have more misses with highly drafted quarterbacks than we are going to have misses with highly drafted running backs. Or even if you're a miss, if they just hand you the ball, then you're a hit just by virtue of existing, right? Yeah. So yeah, like Zach Wilson was like pretty, like I thought he was a good quarterback prospect. I didn't think he was a great quarterback prospect. He still got the bulletproof grade, so that was a promising omen from myself, I guess. Uh, and then he, his rookie year was was not good, but none of the yeah. quarterbacks had good rookie years. And quite frankly, I haven't really found that rookie year performance is a huge indicator of career success at the quarterback position. Um, like, like Justin Fields had just as bad of a rookie year mm. as Zach Wilson did, and yet here we are. So Trevor Lawrence was atrocious. And Trevor Lawrence is now like at least a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, I mean, the one thing I'll say for Fields is that he actually still hasn't been all that great as a passer this year. No, it's just that when you're able to run run so well and run so much that it it just really increases your margin for error. And I'm not saying that to knock Fields. I'm in on Fields, but like the threshold at which you have to reach as a passer when you run as well as Fields does is just so much lower than it is for Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence has been better than Justin Fields this year as a passer, um, but oh, he's yeah. not he's not as valuable as a dynasty asset. Zach Wilson's definitely been worse, but he's not been worse by maybe more than 10, 20%. But when you don't have anything else to add other than your passing, you, you get Zach Wilson. Yeah. So... Okay, so we've established that we both think he's probably bad. Yeah. But I think there's probably, like, if you just scroll on Twitter for, like, four minutes this week, yeah. you'll see repeated Zach Wilson slander as though he's out yeah. of the NFL today. As, as I don't though know he's that. been brought up on felony charges. As, as though. Like, people are, are people are treating him, it's like it's that Sam Bankman freed, you know, the one who, like, tried to defraud yeah. everyone of their money. It's like him and Zach Wilson are, like, equally nefarious individuals it's like this guy took millions of your hard-earned dollars zach wilson threw his teammates under the bus these are the same (laughs) zach wilson will be going to jail any minute now pretty much so i think there's probably an element of overreaction right now in the dynasty community with zach wilson so i like i would be willing to go and send some offers for zach wilson just to see if i can catch a panicking manager and uh what if mike white gets confirmed as a starting quarterback in two days well, honestly, if he doesn't get confirmed as a starting quarterback in two days and he's on the bench, I'm absolutely throwing offers at him in every league because he's going to start games again. He may never be good. He probably will not be good, but there's a chance that he could be, and I want to be holding that because if he is even remotely good, people are going to fall right back in love with his tools or whatever they were in love with from the first point. Uh, so, yeah, I like if you can get Zach Wilson, like what would you what would you trade for Zach Wilson? Would you give yeah, up what on? I'm trying to trade, exactly. like, look, what I, yeah, so I think, like, you're never really going to get him for a third, because that just serves no purpose, like, someone's going to be like, what, dart throw to third, who cares, uh, I'm probably not trying to trade a late second for him, I think what I would prefer to do is just some veteran that might have use to someone else's team that doesn't really have use to mine, so either I'm not even trying to win this year, or, you know, I have one or two more pieces than I really need, because we don't have any buys this week, and, we're going to be hitting the playoffs soon. And so I don't necessarily need to have as much depth this time of the year. Like if I can just trade any person that, that really has like no opportunity to rise in value all that much based on age, not significant points of a replacement on the lineup where they, they almost have no value to me. Like I, I really feel like if they were to just retire from the NFL tomorrow, I would be like, 
whatever. So you, that's kind of what I want to like, move uh, for Zach Wilson. It's like, I want to move someone where I almost just get to free roll him. So like, I would move like, I don't know, someone struggling at tight end. And if I could move like Tyler Higby, maybe at a third or something like that, that sounds fine. Uh, if someone's hurting at running back and I could get out of like a, I don't know, like Cordero Patterson, whatever, Ezekiel maybe Elliott. a little something. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Any of these types of guys, right, where it's like these guys aren't really going to matter. Brandon Cooks, like I don't know. Like any of these types of players where it's like what are they going to ever do to rise past round nine, round 10 startup value again? Almost nothing. Then I feel like I'm kind of just free rolling Zach Wilson at that point. You mentioned Marcus Mariota is like a great one. Like if, if Marcus Mariota is your third quarterback, you're probably through your bye weeks at this point. So you don't necessarily need Marcus Mariota anymore. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Is he ever going to start in the NFL again after this year? Maybe. I mean, this year he got to start almost the entire year. He might even finish the year. He has, has played not well, but I don't know. I guess as well as you could expect Marcus Mariota to play. He's put up fantasy points for sure. And it's not like people are clamoring to send you first round picks for Marcus Mariota, right? Like it's not even that easy to get a second round pick for him in some circumstances. So, you know, we kind of seen the best case scenario to him. I feel like that's a, a guy you can free roll into Zach Wilson. What about Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff? Like what about that, that tier? Um, Cause I think that that, I think that how we value that tier of quarterback is interesting. That's kind of what I want to transition into a little bit. Yeah. Like I think, uh, I would probably move them for Zach. Like I'd probably prefer Zach Wilson because I think that Goff and uh, Garoppolo are never really going to provide fantasy points that are going to help you win fantasy football games, anyways. So they're at best your quarterback. Are three, you sure? Right? Because I needed twenty nine points for a crucial win in the Patron Dynasty League that I commission and host from Jimmy Garoppolo on Monday Night Football. <laughs> And that fucker did it. <laughs> Absolute legend. You would have the highest ceiling in football. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> QB one. <laughs> yeah, like on a season-long basis. <laughs> Honestly, like Garoppolo might be, not be too bad the rest of the season just because the team's so stacked. So but uh, yeah, long term, I, I don't think Garoppolo is right. is really ever going to provide anything of meaningful value and he's probably never going to gain a ton of trade value so right. like if he's your quarterback three i'd i'd rather just go with zach wilson in and let it ride and if he dies he dies and if he doesn't then great i got something better i, <laughs> something tend, to better agree with this. I, I tend to agree with this because this is i feel like there's almost this infinite loop with these shitty quarterbacks i'm calling this segment shitty quarterbacks uh, Adaiko and I and a few other patrons were talking about this in the Discord uh, yesterday. It feels like we've never had this few good quarterbacks in the NFL in recent times. Like, I think, you know, partially because quarterbacks like Zach Wilson aren't very good. The most recent quarterback class was total crap. Like, Kenny Pickett's the only guy who I think you'd pencil in as a starter for next year. And I don't know how long for the world he even is beyond that. Uh, we, we've really seen some struggles recently. And all this old guard has been aging out, right? Where either they're retiring or they're just not that good anymore or whatever else. And so we were kind of getting down the list. I won't go through all 32 teams because in that case, we will not be keeping this to an hour or even two hours. But we had kind of gotten to like 19 quarterbacks where we were 90% sure or so that those were going to be remaining on the teams that they're currently on as starters. And after that, uh, 
we were like, okay, now who am who not included in that? Uh, are we at least very confident it's going to start for someone, even if we're not a hundred percent, you know, sure they're going to start for their own team. And that was guys like, Oh, sorry. I should, I should go 17 because Lamar and Gino are our free agents. So they should be in this pool of the 15, but Lamar and Gino are going to start somewhere. Carr is going to start somewhere. Tannehill is going to start somewhere. Two new guys coming in for sure. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. We'll see if Will Levis or anybody else ends up sneaking into the top 10 because of some needy team. And then beyond that, it's like you get to Jimmy G pretty quick. <laughs> and like what we kind of realize is like Jimmy G is like definitely starting somewhere next year and probably not even as a bridge quarterback. Uh, and we're like Jared Goff is like almost definitely starting next year and maybe not even as a bridge quarterback. And like whether or not the Giants want to keep Daniel Jones, he's starting somewhere next year. Uh, and, and it kind of got wild where I think if there's like, man, if there's like anything I want to do like right now or in the early off season, and I don't even know how this didn't just like hit me quite as hard as it did in the last couple of days. It's like not even just those guys, because I guess my concern on those guys is they already kind of carry like late second round value and they're currently starting. And so how much, value are you really going to gain out of buying someone that late second round value who has that while they are starting. And it's not like that precarity is going to go away, right? Like every, any year that Daniel Jones or Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff is starting, people are going to be playing them on a year to year basis. What it almost makes you really want to do is like any deal that I do right now, I want to throw in the quarterbacks that people are assuming that aren't starting and that aren't starting now. Like I want Jameis. I want, uh, well, actually, I want Taylor Heineke regardless, even though he is starting. I want like Wentz, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Gardner Minshew, Taylor Huntley, like any of these guys where it's like, yeah, it's like conceivably possible-ish that some team will give them a contract next year. It gets really ghastly. Uh, like, have which of these group, like either current starters or not starters, do you think might be like the most undervalued that we should be like kind of interested in? Honestly, about three or four weeks ago, maybe five even, I went in the Patreon and was like, hey, like we're like week seven or so. Uh, I would probably go and start making some offers, like not straight up, like, hey, I want to buy your Sam Howell, send them to me, but like, I'd be sneaking Sam Howell into some deals yep. and and that kind of thing with some of these like uh, day two quarterbacks. I mean, you know what's the best thing for Sam Howell is Taylor Heineke. I won't even say playing well, but Taylor Heineke fluking into wins because <laughs> right because first of all, it keeps their, it it takes them out of the contention for a top draft pick, and also like they might. I mean, honestly, if they can't pick anyone high in the draft, they might just look at it and be like. What, what are we going to like? Are we going to do what we did last year? Or we're just going to like mildly upgrade over Taylor Heineke again for no purpose and pay for it. They might just roll with Heineke. And if they roll with Heineke, then Howell's an awesome bet to play games next year. Yeah. So like Howell and uh, Kyle Trask, is he still with the Buccaneers? I think he is. Yeah. Kyle Trash. Yeah. So like those kind of guys, I'd what be about Blaine Gabbert on the Buccaneers. They're actual backup. Well, not Blaine Gabbert. Come on. <laughs> The guys that have a chance to like pop and you know what? After seeing this Geno Smith win. year this year, I can't hey? count out anybody. After seeing what Geno Smith did this year, I can't even count out playing Gabbert. Well, Geno Smith never truly got a shot. Like he got, he was gonna be the starting quarterback, got punched out, and never got another chance. <laughs> That's true. 
So they wrote Blaine him off. Gabbard, he didn't write back but, though. Blaine Gabbert got a chance, and he was awful. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, like those kind of fringy day two guys that are still relatively young. Because even if they don't get uh, fantasy points or like right. a day one starter gig. If they get into games at some point and get lucky, like Taylor Heineke has with some QB wins, you're going to see those young guys get just tons of hype. Like Drew Locke right. did a couple years ago. Same idea. Yeah. I mean, the guy and, that I've been buying a little bit of recently is Malik Willis, who looked abjectly horrid in his two games. And I yeah. mean, look, if you're going to tell me that he looks so bad that he's probably never going to start again, I believe you. Like, that seems entirely plausible. But I mean, hell, we know that he's going to run a lot anytime that he's in there. And... I actually think Tannehill does return to Tennessee next year, but like I, I think that people, whatever like residual hype was on him from like the idea of Malik Willis, now that people have seen him with their own eyes and they've seen like how horrendous he is, it's like he's gonna have almost declined in value just by virtue of playing those two games. Where if he hadn't, people would have had like a, a more mistier vision of him. Um, oh yeah. I mean, to, to be clear, the Titans might feel the same way, so maybe that's fair. But I, I just look at what happened with Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts and guys that have risen in so much. Like I just think anytime you can bet on a rushing quarterback that runs like with that high of a proclivity with any reasonable chance of, of success, even if it's like 10, 20%, like I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to help myself from betting a little bit on Willis. Yeah. I'd be fine. We want to buy some Willis right now. I don't have an issue with it. I think any of those young guys, if they, would you say that Malik Willis is a generational quarterback prospect? <laughs> I can't believe somebody actually typed that onto Twitter and then hit enter for the world to see. If he's generational. What? No, he wasn't. He was decidedly not generational. He was like, yeah, unbelievable. Anyways, that was like these young guys that are that are backups right now, I think are reasonable uh, reasonable bets. The guys like Jimmy's, like he's definitely going to start again somewhere. I think that was a that's an easy like layup kind of thing. Again, he's never going to get a huge value boost, likely, but he's probably going to score a reasonable amount of fantasy points. Like he'll he'll be QB fifteen to twenty probably when he's a starter right, again. You can make it work. Yeah, you. He's a starter in a superflex league. Like, yeah. If he's your QB three, yeah. like you're you're laughing. So any anyone like that, I think, is worth a uh, worth a roster spot for sure, and worth you know sneaking in a backdoor on a trade. Uh, Tanny is always a guy for me that I think is really undervalued. I think I think Ryan Tannehill is like actually pretty good. Like we've seen ever since he's been in Tennessee, when he has actual players, he puts up like really strong EPA and CPOE and all those types of core, uh, PFF grades. He like is graded very very highly. And then when he has objectively horrific weapons, uh, then he puts up like average stats, which tells me like he's actually a pretty good quarterback. And people yeah. think he's like trash. Like. Like people think that he's horrific and that Malik Willis is like going to steal his job. Like I'm pretty sure he's just going to be back in Tennessee next year. And honestly, I'd prefer him not to be right. Like, I I wouldn't be shocked if he left. Actually, and... don't you think Atlanta would be kind of where he would end up? Right, like with the <laughs> Arthur Smith say, connection. I could see him ending up in Atlanta and taking Marcus Mariota's job again, which I think would be kind of hilarious, right. and uh, would just be the worst because then we have you know more likely this stupid rushing attack in in Atlanta. I I don't think that would be that bad because the Titans offense with Arthur Smith was awesome. Like it was frustrating for fantasy in that they didn't throw a ton of volume, but it was really good. 
Yeah, they didn't throw a ton of volume as like the understatement of the world. They threw like the league worst. I mean, they threw volume. more than the Falcons throw now. That's for sure. sure. They threw more than the Falcons throw now. That's true. They're not historically bad in Tennessee with Arthur Smith, but they were absolutely bad in terms of volume. <laughs> like I think you're you're really doing a disservice saying they they didn't throw a ton. That is a massive understatement. <laughs> Anyways, Arthur Smith is the worst. He is the devil. And uh I like I I don't even know what I expect with Arthur Smith now. Like he's not gonna like if if Tannehill's best case scenario, like are we gonna get reasonable volume? Probably not. We're gonna have 30 pass attempts a game. They'll be bottom five offense. Tannehill's never not been a QB one with Arthur Smith. Wow, that is that is in that is quite the uh quite the pull there. Tannehill's never actually Arthur's are the only the only quarterback that has not been a QB one in their season with Arthur Smith uh, since he became a play caller was Matt Ryan. Marcus Mariota is currently a QB one, and then Ryan Tannehill went two for two. Unbelievable, Matt Ryan just totally washed. No wonder the wonderfully uh, apt is that the opposite of inept. The wonderfully <laughs> apt Indianapolis Colts. Going out and making Matt Ryan a priority. All right, we're not. not okay. See it. Okay, let, let's just. Okay. Can we do a thing? I want to do a thing. Let's do a thing. Let's let's rank the Wilsons in Dynasty. Okay. Ranking Wilsons. Yeah. That was a bit of a shaky segue, but we're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, let's uh, just do it. Yeah. So, who are our options here for ranking all the Wilsons? So we have Zach Wilson. Yeah, because that's have, the amount of the hour, right? Right. Okay. We have his teammate, Garrett Wilson. But like, I'm not even putting any puns on he that. Runs about seven on field temper tantrums per week. Garrett Wilson looks Matt, like he's This did segment is pain. going to last an hour. Just so you know. We have Zach Russell Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> we have Jeff Wilson. Cedric we have Wilson. Cedric Wilson. Is it Cedric or Cedric? I think that tells you all you need to know about Cedric, <laughs> Cedric Wilson. Is he still in the NFL? Yes, he yeah, he's he's on Miami. Okay, okay. Well, we 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 must rank him then. Yeah, uh, I'm on a page right now that has all of the NFL players listed in alphabetical order. Um, okay. But I'm trying to figure out how many of them play fantasy viable positions in case we're missing Ooh. any. Uh, it doesn't look like we're missing any, actually. All the rest of them look like they play defense. So, very yeah, it's, it's Garrett Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Zach Wilson, Russell Wilson, and Cedric Wilson. And Cedric, of course. So, yeah. like, is it a bridge too far to say that Garrett Wilson's the 101 of Wilson's? I mean, he's definitely the 101 of Wilson's. <laughs> uh, okay, so Garrett Wilson, 101. Who is your 102 Wilson? It's definitely Russell Wilson. Ahead of Jeffrey Wilson. Yes, ahead of Jeffrey Wilson. Wow. Here's an interesting fact. I would like to point this out because it's wildly interesting. Jeffrey Wilson of the Miami Dolphins, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, where he was a backup most of his career, is on keep trade cut, has 2,936 keep trade cut points. Russell Wilson Perennial top five or perennial QB one, often top five quarterback, while with the Seattle Seahawks, which is he was obviously a system quarterback because now we're seeing Geno Smith do the same damn thing. 
he is 3,135 keep trade cut points. So they're basically the same. So like, yeah, that's bad. I mean, more that's or less bad. a, a toss-up here. Yeah, that's not good. Definitely trade Jeff Wilson for Ross Wilson. <laughs> I would take Zach Wilson over Jeff Wilson also. What? Did you see Zach Wilson the last couple since he got to Miami? Uh, no, I have not actually. But no, I will be taking Zach Wilson over, wow. over my name's Jeff, Jeff Wilson. All right. Yeah, I'm probably going to go Zach Wilson as well. What about Cedric? Are you thinking Cedric over Jeffrey Wilson? <laughs> yeah, his teammate. Yeah, I will take Jeff Wilson over Cedric slash Cedric okay. Wilson. So then we we have come to the conclusion that it's Garrett, Russell, not Jeffrey, Zach, still not – oh, no, then Jeffrey, and then finally Cedric. Yeah. That was the shortest segment we've ever done. So It was. Us. I think that it was really important, though. So here's my question for you. We have yeah. Russell Wilson, Zach Wilson, basically the same value on keep trade cut right now. And that is with Zach Wilson losing 1,000 keep trade cut points in the last 30 days. Russell That's Wilson, 3,135. Zach Wilson, 2,925. We are talking about like a 100 point difference between the 200 point difference between the two of them. Are you yeah, taking I mean, Russell you should... Wilson comfortably ahead of Zach Wilson or is it close? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say this about a player who's looked not very good, or, or I shouldn't even say not very good, who's looked horrendous all season. But I, I think Russell Wilson is like pretty clearly the biggest buy in all of Dynasty. I mean, we just have such a long track record of success for Russell Wilson. And he's played bad this year. He's also run really cold. It's hard when we talk about touchdown rate stats among the quarterback position because I think that quarterbacks are like more responsible for their touchdown variance than other positions are, right? Like I think with wide receivers, we can say when a wide receiver has a touchdown cold streak more confidently, like this guy's not playing bad, he's just running cold. I think that when quarterbacks run really cold on touchdown rate, it's usually because they actually are kind of playing bad. Uh, that being said, we still do see some level of variance at play when we're talking about touchdowns because it's always a highly event-driven statistic. And among all quarterbacks with 200 pass attempts or more, Russell Wilson has the lowest touchdown rate of all of them at 2.6%. And he also has the lowest ratio of touchdowns to yards. He's like at 0.0035. So essentially, uh, or maybe 0.035, whichever of those makes the most sense. Anyhow, I, essentially, he's just not converting anything into touchdowns. He's still at 7.4 yards per attempt, which is entirely within the realm of reasonable. Um, he's definitely taken a major step back this year. He's always been an elite quarterback, and he's played this year more like an average to below average quarterback. But the touchdown stuff is painting him as though he's like the worst quarterback, and he's not. So I think that he's facing natural regression in that column regardless. I think that... It's at least possible that the coaching staff is somewhat to blame. And also, I think that there's just a decent chance that a player who used to be really, really excellent just kind of figures it out. Um, and so I'm buying Russell Wilson. The fact that he's like consensus worth less than a one right now, I think is pretty ridiculous. That being said, I've struggled to actually buy him in practice. Like I've been saying, like, you got to buy him in theory. And then every time I've tried, I've usually gotten stonewalled. But he's definitely a guy over the course of the offseason that's going to be a, a common QB2 on my startups for sure. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson is, I 100% agree, one of the biggest buys in all of Dynasty. Like he's got seven touchdowns this year <laughs> in nine games. So, like less than a touchdown per game. And he's still QB25 in points per game. Like that's pretty remarkably 
wild. He should be a lot worse than that with only seven touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, seven touchdowns in ten in nine games or whatever it is. I mean, that's like Zach Wilson, right? And he's not that. He's not like like he's he's moved the offense not well enough, obviously, but like he has he can move the ball down the field. He's he's not out there being completely incompetent. Yeah, that is that is very much like Zach Wilson. Actually, I just checked. Uh, he's got four and seven this year, and nine and thirteen last year. So pretty still like Russell Wilson is playing at a Zach Wilson level, and that is uh, that is very unusual. We've never seen Russell Wilson be this bad. I've seen people say that he is, you know, aging, and that's what the problem is. Thirty four years old, on the nose, basically just had his birthday. I don't think that's much of a concern for me. Um, he's pretty like, uh, what would be the word? He seems pretty fanatical uh, about yeah, he's a weirdo. his body and his like work and like everything. So I, I just don't think that he's aging out at 34. I don't know. Maybe he is. Impossible to say. No, I mean, I, I think, I mean, when you watch him, like what I always look for, you know, not breaking ground here. But if you're looking for if a quarterback is losing a two to age, it's like, can they not make the throws that used to be able to make, right? Can they not move around in the pocket as well as they used to be able to? You know, you watch Matt Ryan the last couple of years, and it's like, oh, this guy's lost his fastball. You know, like when he's throwing the deep out, it's not traveling there as fast as it used to be. Russell Wilson looks mechanically fine. Like he still has all the mm-hmm. same zip on the football. He's still launching it deep. It's just he's missing reads. Like it just seems to be a mental issue where he's just not processing the game well. And I mean, I don't know, like, he seems like he's kind of a crazy person. Maybe there's something going on, but I, I just struggle to think that that he's just lost the ability of how to like process the football field. So I, yeah, I'm, I just I'm, I'm back in Russ. I'm sitting here thinking about how Russell Wilson is getting just kind of annihilated in in the media for being bad at football now, while simultaneously the coach is also getting annihilated in the media. Right. It's like, I mean, it's probably that has something to do with Russell Wilson, right? Probably a bit of both. Like, I think Zach Taylor is a dumb fuck, and like Joe Burrow has, you know, been good enough that it doesn't matter. Uh, I think if Russell Wilson was playing at this level, he was in Seattle, that nobody would be trying to fire Nathaniel Hackett, even if we did think he was a total fake shark. Um, so I don't think that that would just solve all of it by itself. But I, I fully believe that Nathaniel Hackett's bad. Like, I, I don't think that he's like good. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, Nathaniel Hackett is certainly bad. It's probably, you know, affecting Russell Wilson on the margins. Russell Wilson's also playing not as good as he used to play, and I think we just have to wait it out. These things, like players, are not immune from bad seasons. We we've seen Tom Brady have a bad season like ten years ago, when people were like he's the cliff is here, get out from Tom Brady, it's over, and then he won like six more Super Bowls. So right. I just it's. He's Russell Wilson's just always been good, so we should just bank on that being the uh the norm and uh seeing some regression back to it. So, yeah, I'm buying Russell Wilson. I didn't realize he was valued at less than a first. That is absurd. Shame on the world. All right, so we do have one more thing to talk about before we talk about buys. We'll make this quick, but uh. It was a big week for some rookie wide receivers in that second tier. Uh, Traylon Burks was his second game back in the lineup, first game sort of back in a full blown Traylon Burks experience. He goes for 111 yards uh, on Thursday night football playing next to Christian Watson, who scored his fourth and fifth touchdown in a five day span, uh, which is pretty incredible. Sorry. 
eat your heart out, DJ Moore. Yeah. Uh, then, then we see uh, George Pickens has an 18-point performance this Sunday. It should have been a 30-point performance if he didn't stone drop a 60-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then Sky Moore, Sky Less. Uh, all it took was for Michael Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster and Kadarius Toney to all get hurt. And all of a sudden, Sky Moore is posting reasonable fantasy production as the third wide receiver behind Marcus Valdez-Scanling and Justin Watson, who ran 100% of the routes uh, in that game. Uh, what do we make of this? Oh, I should also mention, of course, uh, really sad news for the Bulletproof community that we lose Wandale Robinson to a torn ACL uh, really at the end of his best game as a pro. So that's pretty upsetting. But we trudge forward. Uh, pick pick like one of these guys, Watson, Burks, Pickens, Sky, Wandale, that all had kind of a, uh, a movement point, we'll say, uh, this week that you're either really interested in buying or really interested in selling? Uh, I think I want... Yeah, I'm more or less just sticking with priors at this point. Like, Traylon Burks was originally my highest uh, ranked player of the four or five or how many guys we're talking about right now. Uh, I'd probably just take... Like, he's the one I want the most, I think. I think he's probably pretty good at football and did some pretty good at football things this week. And I just think that's probably going to continue. So why not? He's yeah, got, I mean, I... go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. Please. Say, well, he's, he's, he's got a 18.4% target share on the season now, which is pretty good considering he's only played six games. And he started uh, so... as barely playing. So like he, his first couple of games, he was a totally part-time player and I think then he's now he's a full-time player. Well, the like here's here's a snap share per game: thirty-six point seven, forty-seven point two, sixty-seven point three, fifty-seven point eight, fifty-six point seven, fifty-five point two. And I'm not sure what uh, was this week's game against Green Bay. It was, wasn't Green it? Bay. Yeah. So that's all but of his games. Well, but so what we've seen is, is his route share has come way up. Hmm. Uh, like. So he doesn't really play the rundowns. Like Tennessee uses a lot of these multiple tight end sets, and and they don't use him on the field for rushing plays very much. But right. his rope his rope participation has really really come uh, way up in in recent weeks, where he's basically they're they're doing a three man rotation in their two wide receiver sets with him Woods and Westbrook Akine, where they're kind of all getting some play uh, in two wide receiver sets. I'll I'll pull up quickly. Uh, Traylon Burks is up to, let's see, quick here. Yeah, Traylon Burks, the last few weeks has really improved in terms of the percentage of routes. He was at 75% now the last couple of weeks. So he's he's getting creeping closer to a full-time player. He's at uh, 0.228 targets per route run, which is quite solid. It's not like elite, uh, but it's quite solid. That trails only uh, Christian Watson, Chris Olave, uh, and... Uh, Drake London among this rookie class right now. And then he also sits at 2.08 yards per route run, which is second to Chris Olave. So that's that's an elite mark if you're over two yards per route run over the course of the season, um, respectively. I, I think that this is a take that I put it on Twitter that got a lot of engagement was Traylon Burks versus Christian Watson versus George Pickens, everybody's favorite guy, uh, George Pickens. And I said during the Thursday night football game, it was actually before uh, a, a lot of them even did all that much of their damage. I think I put it out like a couple minutes into the first quarter. Was 
I said that I would take both of the wide receivers playing in that game over George Pickens in Dynasty. And the pushback was immense. The Pickens stands are out in full force. You're a Pickens stand. Uh, where, where do you, you mentioned that you take Burks over Pickens. Would you take Christian Watson or George Pickens? Uh, I don't think I'd take Christian Watson over George Pickens, but I would certainly take Traylon Burks over George Pickens. I think uh, like Pickens is fine. <laughs> I like I don't I don't feel like there's anything really jumping out at me and like terrifying me with George Pickens at this point. I don't feel like I'm super like he's a destined to be a superstar. I think he's like fine. He's doing exactly kind of what you would expect a rookie wide receiver to do that's good at football. Uh, he's got a you know 15, 16% target share somewhere thereabouts uh in his first nine ten games which is kind of what you would expect uh and that is like you know, keep in mind like the steelers offense is actually pretty stacked or what no, they have legit the skill players they have like deandre yeah. johnson's a real player pat farmer's a real player claypool's gone now but he was a real player yeah like they have pretty good nfl players on the team so 15 percent target share for a guy in his first nine games with that type of competition for targets is completely fine there's no like Oh my gosh, he can't get targeted. Um, the Christian Watson thing, I think for me, it comes back to like so much of this is still back to priors. Like, I don't feel like Christian Watson is terrifying. I never really felt like he was terrifying. I think there was certainly more bust risk with Christian Watson than there was with George Pickens. But I think the big concern for me with George Pickens is we only have two weeks and it's because Romeo Dubs got hurt. And that's a little bit concerning. Like prior to that, he was getting like basically nothing. Like he wasn't. Yeah, but I think that was mostly because he got hurt. Could be. Because we like basically in week one, we saw well, week one and week two, essentially, Dubs and Watson were running really similar route totals. Uh, and it was Lazard missed the first games, so they both played more, and then Lazard came back and they're rotating about the same amount. They were playing kind of the same. And then Watson got hurt a couple times. And so Dubs became the full-time guy and was playing pretty well. And then Watson was just sort of rotating in. And then, you know, you got into a spot where Dubs started to tail off a little bit, but Watson kept being hurt. And then eventually you got one game where Lazard was out, I think, or somebody else was out, whatever. And they had Watson and Dubs were both playing a decent amount. And then Dubs gets hurt. And so then it becomes Watson's chance. Like, I, I would like to see what this offense looks like I think we might uh, within a couple of weeks with both Dubs and Watson healthy. I mean, my stance is I think that Watson has shown more, frankly, than Dubs has ever shown this year. I think yeah. that Dubs will not play. I think that Dubs probably will play. He's, he's, these are clearly at least two of their three best wide receivers. Like these two guys in Lazard have really separated from Sammy Watkins and the rest of these dust balls. So yep. I think it's clearly going to be Lazard, Watson, and Dubs in some kind of rotation. But yeah, I mean, I think Dubs has been reasonable. I mean, in terms of we're looking at like his targets per run, his yards per run, I mean, it's been kind of at a similar level, uh, a little bit stronger actually to George Pickens, but kind of that same zone. Uh, he's been reasonable, but Christian Watson's really taken it to a different level. I mean, we're talking about a small sample, of course. We're talking about 119 routes for him, but he's at 0.236 targets per route run. Uh, that's uh, that is third in this class right now. 2.04 yards per route run. That's third in this class right now. Traylon Burks is second in both of those metrics. I had in my post post NFL draft 
rookie draft ranks. I had Burks, of course, the highest of these three. I had Watson ahead of George Pickens uh, Ooh, in my post draft rookie ranks, uh, which is the correct decision. Um, I mean, he's just been better. I think with George Pickens, I, I, I said that he's almost like a discount version of CD Lamb, where I think that it's entirely reasonable that he could one day be as good as his price indicates that he currently is. It's just, he hasn't actually shown it yet. Like he's been very swaggy. People had a lot of high priors about him and he's been okay. But like, we're talking about substantially worse per route than these other guys. 0.144 targets per route run, 1.21 yards per route run. Those both figures are both worse than Romeo Dubs. They're both worse than Alec Pierce. They're both worse than Wandale Robinson. Like he's a lot closer to like the Jahan Dotson tier than he is to these guys. I think that it's explainable in terms of the environment that he's in. I don't think that means he's doomed to failure. I think he's probably a long-term NFL starter. But in terms of upside, like I think that both of these guys just have substantially more upside. I would prefer them straight up. I don't understand why George Pickens costs more. And George Pickens is costing in a realm where he's not even that far below Garrett Wilson and Drake London. I'd substantially rather have those guys who I think have the pedigree, have a larger sample of being good this year, uh, and have all of those uh, per route metrics on their side. So give me Burks and, and give me Christian Watson. I mean, I think that's a bet where that's a guy that I wasn't even taking that much in rookie drafts. I was able, we mentioned him, I think it was a month or so ago on the podcast, being a good buy. So shout out to us. Uh, Cause he's been a great profit point. Uh, but I'm, I'm not like anxious to sell him right now. If I could turn Christian Watson into a 23 first right now, I'm going to do that. Um, probably a 24 first as well. But outside of that, like I'm pretty open on, on holding uh, C Watt. Yeah, I think um, I like these per route metrics that you use. I understand why you use them, but I think they're so flawed in some instances, like specifically this, where you're like, ah, George Pickens doesn't get that many targets. And I'm like, yeah, but he's got Deontay Johnson getting 25% of the targets, and Pat Fryermuth is a pretty good tight end, and Chase Claypool is an NFL player at the very worst. And they're like, Traylon Burks has way better per route metrics, and he's competing targets with Nick Akeen, he, whatever his name is, and like other guys, I can't even, I don't even know who they are. So, like, if you reverse the situation, put Traylon Burks in Pittsburgh and put George Pickens in Tennessee, we're probably having the, the opposite conversation. I mean, probably. George Pickens has better per route metrics. So, I think that that's probably true. I, I guess what I would say is like, why would I want to pay more? for the one who currently has the worst stats like are you that's what i don't understand like, about it you're Christian paying more Watson is 400 points less what's burke's at he's 200 points less. like they're basically all the same okay but i think that they should be not the same like i i think if you want to say that it is reasonable based on the context that you provide, chase claypool is gone that now. george pickens is as good as Traylon burks and christian watson i would say that yeah that's that's reasonable but we don't actually know that they aren't actually in that situation. Like to me, if but I'm going he, to pick a situation, I'd rather have the current one. As Why the can't reason, I use remote metrics? Because they because are better. As the reason to say George Pickens isn't good. If you look at like, I didn't say George Pickens isn't good. I said right now he's not as been good. as good this season as Traylon Burks and Christian Watson. Okay. If you look at um, Matt Harmon's reception perception, you can see that it lights up like a freaking Christmas tree. It's green everywhere for George Pickens, which is an indication that he's winning on every single route on the field. Your issue is that he's not getting enough passes, 
because he has to share with actual NFL players. Whereas the other guys you're talking about, uh, what was his name? Christian Watson. Who's he playing with? Is it uh, Alan Lazard? You don't think George Pickens would have a higher target share if he played with Alan Lazard? I think that he probably would, but I d- would prefer to bet on the players where I know what they have in that situation and that have a better situation. Like, why Why would I go out of my way to be like, well, I think that this player, if they were in a better situation than they are, which they're not, would be better. Like, sure, I think that that's probably true, but they aren't, and we don't know that they would be better. So why would I ever want to pay the same or potentially more to get someone who isn't actually as good as this other player? The other issue that I have with a player like a George Pickens and other players that have been reception perception darlings over the course of several years now, it's like, we don't actually know how much of this reception perception matters outside of the extent to which um, it outside of the extent to which there's already a double count, right? Like there's several players where they look elite in reception perception and we know they're elite in fantasy and that, makes sense and then on occasion with guys like an alan robinson who comes most uh into picture there have been guys where it's like oh we didn't know that they were all that great and then reception perception and then it hit tyler lockett's not a great example there's also been several other guys like rashad bateman and now elijah moore and rashad bateman is hurt he, and he was not good before he got hurt stop he's standing man. for mid players like who these wide he's- receivers are irrelevant Stop standing for a everyone player. is irrelevant at wide receiver. There's three guys that are good, and everyone else is irrelevant. Yeah, you just George Pickens is like player. really irrelevant and costs a lot. Like, why would I ever invest in George Pickens anywhere near what's this keep trade card now? Like, wide receiver 20, wide receiver 18. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, see. something up there. He was wide receiver 17 last week, so it's probably about that. He's wide receiver 17 I- right now. Okay, why would I ever input all that value into a wide receiver that doesn't earn targets? Like, it doesn't make any sense because he might potentially earn targets in another universe, in another team, in another scenario. It doesn't make any sense. You're mentioning reception perception. I mean, I think it's a reasonable measure of openness. If you had to guess, based on um, 538's uh, open ratings, it's put together by Seth Walder, um, who's been charting their analytics program there in terms of open rate. What do you think? Has been where do you think George Pickens ranks out of 94 qualifying pass catchers? I don't know anything about that metric. I've never even heard of it before. So I'm going to assume that because you're bringing it up, it's not good. Well, it's something else that balances reception perception, which is measuring stuff that may or may not translate to fantasy. We're not really sure. Anyway, he ranks 89th out of 94. Uh, so he's not very open for that. I, I don't really know. My point is, I don't really know which of these metrics are the most useful or the most actionable. It might be none of them. It's also entirely possible that stuff like reception perception is really good at telling us who's a good NFL player in ways that don't necessarily translate to fantasy. Like that's also entirely possible. So I'm, I'm just wary of putting impact in reception perception above the types of things that directly lead to fantasy points. Like, are you getting targets and are you decent on your targets? All right. (laughs) <laughs> I think, like, I, I just think it's. Uh, I'm just going back to priors, basically. George Pickens was a better prospect. So am I. Yeah, I am also going back to really priors. Really that George Pickens was an extremely mediocre prospect. George will Pickens have an extremely mediocre NFL. Actually, better prospect than Christian Watson, and that's. I think he was. I do think he was a better prospect than Christian Watson. I thought they were comparable enough that I then moved Christian Watson ahead after he got a better landing spot, and I stand by that. I think the the danger, the other danger with Christian Watson. 
uh, is the and this is this, George Pickens is certainly not free of this criticism. Aaron Rodgers could be done tomorrow or like next year, and Absolutely. then we have Jordan Love, and that's terrifying. Well, but we that probably said, don't have Jordan Love. We probably have who knows. We probably have Jordan Love. I well, if, you th- if you think that, then we should be buying Jordan Love. <laughs> we we should be buying Jordan Love. That's a great point. He, he should be in that list of players that we're looking at. I mean, yeah. like, like you think they're actually going to roll out Jordan Love so when Aaron Rodgers? Jordan retires? Love. We should be buying Jordan Love. The issue is that well, this isn't a, like I said. George Pickens isn't free of this criticism. He could be stuck with Kenny Pickett next year, which is probably just as bad as Jordan Love. And Christian Watson actually is going to have probably little to no target competition. Whereas George Pickens is still probably going to have Deontay Johnson and Pat Freermuth. And, and and probably the Steelers take another wide receiver on day two next year. So they always do. <laughs> I don't know. We'll uh we'll wait and see. I don't I like I think I'm taking George Pickens over uh Christian Watson simply because I thought George Pickens was a better prospect, and I'm not in any way concerned about him not having a Christian Watson-esque target rate given the fact he's been playing with actual NFL players. That That's fair enough. I will say this, and it's it's not as fun podcasting, but what I really want to do with George Pickens is not trade him straight up for Christian Watson or Traylon Burks. Although I'd be actually pretty excited to trade him straight up for Traylon Burks. Um, at a like at a time long since gone by, I would have loved to trade him for like Christian Watson plus. At this point, yeah. I would like to use George Pickens' value or Christian Watson's value, quite frankly, and then package it with something else and try to get either a true elite wide receiver that matters. There's like a handful of them uh, or an elite running back that matters. There's like a handful of them uh, or an elite quarterback that matters. There's like two handfuls of them um, or like Kyle Pitts who just went on injured reserve, any of those types of options are the types of things that I want to be doing. Do you have a quick Wandale Robinson or Sky Moore thought before we move on to the buys of the deadline? Like Sky Moore finally doing something is at least makes me happy. Like He's I so was worried he was literally going to do nothing the whole year, and that would have been the saddest of all the timelines. So yeah. I was really happy to see him like get on the field. Uh, no matter how he got there, did, I was did really you watch happy. the film? He looked really good. I I obviously did not watch the film, uh, but he did have like six targets or something, five catches, six targets, targets on sixteen five. routes, which I know you don't like per route metrics, but um, that's thirty eight percent targets per route run. Yeah. So he just like crushed, I'm sure, like Justin Watson and uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling, and uh, that's great. Yeah, and he had an 82 PFF grade for the week too. Dude's a stud. We should all be on it. Like honestly, with the price of Sky Moore, he's, he's probably worth buying. Uh, oh, I think it's I'm a reasonable outcome that uh, he could be good at football, and he, if he's good at football in a Patrick Mahomes offense, that's basically the best of any world of any of the players we just talked about. Here's the only thing I'll say about it is that I think that his keep trade cut price or fantasy calc or like, you know, anything you're looking at, well, especially keep trade cut because keep trade cut really is an aggregate of people, 90% of whom don't roster Sky Moore that are voting on Sky Moore polls. And like, I imagine there's plenty of people that are done with him. I imagine the people that are holding him at this point are, are pretty committed uh, Sky Moore diamond handers. So I'm not sure that you're actually going to be able to get him for like his aggregated price. But I certainly wouldn't mind tossing him in a deal. I mean, I'll be honest. Like I had, hit, I had the opportunity to get him thrown into a deal two weeks ago, and I was like, honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> um, like I was kind of out of the Skymore business. I'm hooked back a little bit in. I think the main reason was that early in the season he wasn't playing enough, but he was actually playing decently well in the minuscule sample that he got. 
And that kind of kept hope alive. And then between the Tony trade and between him just goosing in some box scores, it was like, well, now I don't even know if he's ever going to get a chance. He hasn't shown necessarily that he deserves one. At least now he's shown the Chiefs like he actually can provide for them in a big spot and a big game. Um, and I think that's enough to kind of keep things on the hook a little bit for now. Tony's dealing with his 19th hamstring injury of his life. So I imagine that that he's going to be out for a couple weeks because those tend to re-aggravate Juju. We'll see when he comes back. And I mean, really Juju's role is the one I think that is the most analogous to Sky Moore's role in terms of being that slot guy in the intermediate area of the field. And if Sky Moore can have a little run here where he can provide Juju level production in that role, you know, that's going to help, I think, make the Chiefs feel like they can move on with without Juju Smith-Schuster next year and count on Sky Moore in that type of role. So I'm a little excited about Sky. Let's... Yeah, um. I- he doesn't belong with the other guys we just talked about by any no, means no. at this point, but uh, he's he's worth buying, I think. And uh, the other guys, like I don't really love where their prices are at right now. Like I feel like they're probably a little bit higher than I would like to necessarily buy them at. But I also think their prices are probably going to be at least that or higher come like January, and therefore I feel comfortable still buying them, even though I don't love like like I don't know how to put it. Um, I feel like if you're looking at Christian Watson or a mid first round pick, I'd probably just rather have the mid first round pick, but I'm also looking at it and being like Christian Watson today is probably going to worth more in four months. So you can just buy him today. And if he, if he explodes, that's great. Your draft pick that you could get for a mid first is probably going to be a mid first. Christian Watson could be worth an early first by April potentially. So I feel like, I think there's still buys. I just, I don't know that I love them necessarily at that price. I don't know how to really describe that thought. Uh, never really tried to put that in words before. So anyways, hopefully that made sense. All right. If not, then uh, it did. Too bad. <laughs> it did. All right. Last segment today. This will not be as long as the cell segment was because frankly, we got to get out here. We can't go two hours today. I'm capping this off at 90 max. Um, we're going to talk about deadline buys. We talked about deadline sells last time. And, you know, unlike what the haters and the losers, of which there are many on Twitter, like to say, we don't always just play to win our dynasty leagues in the theoretical year of 2027. We have leagues that we actually do try to win. And so sometimes that requires making a buy at the deadline. And what I want to do is I kind of, I just want to kind of go by question by question, step by step in terms of how you're approaching deadline buys and we'll start at the very first step which is what type of team are you most inclined to make buys on the deadline and so that i would generally think of there being three teams in which this is plausible right we're going to talk like stack teams right buy is clinched awesome team as good of a chance as any team can have to win the league you have it next would be like really strong contender locked into playoffs, maybe a chance at a buy, maybe not at least kind of even money against any team that you'd be playing. And then third would be you're on the edge of the playoffs fighting to get in every last tooth and nail. Which of those are you most likely to make deadline buys on? And which of those are you least likely to make deadline buys on? And then we're going to move on to what types of players you want to buy. And lastly, we're going to look at specific players. But let's start off with that first step of what teams you're looking to buy on. I think, like, I don't know if this is really a a popular decision, but I feel like the team that I would be most interested in, in buying on is my, like, juggernaut team. 
Like I just want to fill in every gap I can. I already have a really like a buy locked in. I'm probably a favorite to win the league. And I'm looking at my team and being like, well, I don't have Travis Kelsey. Like, if I had Travis Kelsey, my team's <laughs> basically unstoppable. I'm I'm trotting out no effect. Like there's a huge opportunity here. And I'm already crushing you, everyone. You have unstoppable teams with Noah Fant? Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have, I have one. Can I just sidebar about Travis Kelsey that, like, have you ever given the slightest shit when he has a big game? Because I have a lot of Travis Kelsey in Dynasty. But when have you have ever any- needed a big, when have you ever needed a big Travis Kelsey performance? Like, because every one of my teams with Travis Kelsey does not require him until week 16. Like, like, like any team that I have with Travis Kelsey, they're so good because A, it has Travis Kelsey and he's very helpful. And B, I would only <laughs> ever roster Travis Kelsey on teams that are like clearly in it to win it this year. So like whenever Travis Kelsey has these massive games, I'm like, great. I won by 80 instead of 60 this week. Like, I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> I actually don't have any Travis Kelsey in any of my dynasty leagues, which is probably a mistake. I can tell you right now that it, it's so much more fun playing fantasy football with Travis Kelsey than against him. I have, uh, I have one team in particular that is like three or 400 points above second place, and I am starting some combination of Evan Ingram, Noah Fant, and TJ Hawkinson. That's my tight end trio. So on a team like that, where I'm like kind of like pretty much likely to win every matchup, like I'm, I'm a strong favorite in every matchup, and I'm sitting here looking at it like, I don't have Travis Kelsey. I'd probably just go get Travis Kelsey if I can, and I can't in this league. The guy won't trade him to me. I've tried every year for the last like four years. So anyway, that's, that's kind of where I would be looking at uh, trying to buy. I think... Like that's the team I would be looking to try and buy a superstar on. The right. other option that I would be trying to buy a superstar on would be the team that's trying to get the buy. Like the team that's like that's right the there, like so close to getting the buy. Uh, and if I could just lock in that buy by getting that one extra superstar. And in this team, though, I'm not looking at it as like a short term fix. Like I'd want to get a superstar that's there for the long term, like one that I can keep for the next right several years. Uh, if I'm like fighting for a playoff spot, I'm really not interested in buying any superstars. I'm not looking for any anything expensive. <laughs> I tend to mostly agree. I mean, every every team is a little bit context dependent. You might have some teams. I have one team in particular that is like fighting for a playoff spot, but I think it's like really great. And like this week, I just made a buy. I got Christian McCaffrey, and I had the highest projection of like any team in the league. It's just that I've had yeah. so many ridiculous injuries that this team has just been unable to like feel the lineup. Like I've regularly had, like I have nine wide receivers rostered and there were multiple weeks where seven of them were out that week. And so I was had to like pick up like Traquan Smith off waivers and start him. And I was like, this is so annoying. <laughs> um, anyhow, yeah. the team is now healthy. It is good. <laughs> and so like, I won't get a buy, but I'm pretty comfortable that if I get in the playoffs, like I'm going to be at least even money with anybody that I wanted to make sure that I, I got in. I, I think that outside of outlier scenarios like that, I agree with you. Uh, I think that probably where I would look at it is, is less about I already have the buy and more about, um, number one, I'm only making big buys on high-value teams. Uh, like, if I have yeah. a team, like, I have some teams that are in a very dominant position this year, but I wouldn't consider to be super high-value. Like, I have one team that is relying on guys like Hopkins and 
uh, Adams and Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette. And it's like, okay, like this team's sick this year. It's like 19 and one, it's first place. I don't really know exactly how long this, this run has in it over the long term. So I'm not really looking to buy there. If anything, I'm actually looking to sell there because I've already clinched the buy. And I'm like, it'd be really nice if I could liquidate a couple of these pieces without actually getting all that much worse and kind of soften my landing for next year while still remaining super viable to win this year. The teams where I'm looking for is like a couple of my teams where I have in like my dynasty tier that I talked about last week, where it's like I could basically leave this team untouched for the next five years and I'm probably going to be at least in contention. Um, There I'm willing to make a buy because if I ultimately suffer a value loss for a short-term hit, um, I don't really mind that much. Like I can withstand that value loss every every year or two. And then, yeah, the other one is is the buy because the number one biggest thing you can do to increase your odds to win a championship at this point is go from not a buy to a buy. So that's where I've been most aggressively buying is in spots where, yeah, I'm like the three seed or I'm the four seed or I'm the two seed, but I'm just hanging on. I'm like 50, 50 to get a buy. If I can get someone who can help me over the next three weeks, you know, and then into the playoffs, that's a huge hit. I think that the number one thing people should recognize, you know, we had patrons. I don't mean to throw a patron under the bus here, but one of them was asking like, do I, can I trade away Deontay Foreman? If I'm a contender, I really need the depth. Um, and it was like, well, is he even starting for you? No, he's not even starting for me. But in case someone goes down, I need the depth. It's like, well, who would be the next up? Well, it'd be Kareem Hunt. Okay, it's like, first of all, what are the odds Deontay Foreman enters into your starting lineup, right? Uh, Second of all, what are the odds that he scores more than Kareem Hunt? Third of all, what are the odds that you lose, as it is? Four, what are the odds that you would have won based off of the difference between Kareem Hunt's score and Deontay Foreman's score? you know, in a single game. And then five, what are the odds that had you won that game, you would have won the league, right? That's what you basically, the calculus where the buy is actually worth it. It's like, you have to, in order for the buy to functionally be worth it, you need to win it all. And the player that you bought needs to be the reason that you won it all in that that player scored 10 points more than whoever else you would have started. And you won by six right? That's how narrow it is. So most of the time, that's really not going to manifest in a given week, right? I had one league, for instance, where I sold after losing Cooper Cup. I sold AJ Brown and Aaron Jones for Traylon Burks, Chris Olave in a second. And Traylon Burks and Chris Olave scored substantially more points this week than Aaron Jones and AJ Brown, right? Like that's how random fantasy is. It's like, I sold these two guys for two rookies and the rookies outscored them by 10. (laughs) Like that's, can happen so you have to be right about your buy and it has to be difference making and you have to win it's such a small straight that you kind of just have to look into it with the idea of most likely this will be purposeless and once you get that around it it's like it really needs to be in a spot where you can withstand it because you're so high value or like like you mentioned going for the buy not only is the buy so important but it gives you a longer window for this purchase to pay off where now we're talking about if they win any of these three upcoming games to get you the buy you know then that could be worth it because then essentially that's winning you two playoff games really uh and so i think that that's uh that's a key aspect yeah like i will i'll just uh touch on this one team i have not that you care about my fantasy team but uh i have one team that it's a very strong team but the league is pretty tight like the top it's a 24 team double copy team and the top five teams are within like 100, 150 points of each other. 
Like there's no there's no clear cut favorite here. I'm in third place. Uh, I might get a buy. I might not get a buy. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other on this team. I'm not looking to make any big moves to get anyone. In fact, I'm probably looking to just ship out some of my veterans and try to retool and just hope I get lucky in the playoffs rather than go all in and try to squeeze out the victory because I don't have a strong enough team where I feel like I'm going to just you know bludgeon the competition no matter who it is right. in any given week. This week, this league, I'm like, ah, like I got a shot. It's possible. I got a pretty good team. But if I can take my DeAndre Hopkins and move him for a, I don't know, a younger player that might come on strong down down the stretch, like I'd probably be into it because I'm going to reload right. and hopefully come close. Hopkins maybe isn't the best example. This I, I love how I start. I love how I started this off where I was like, I, whatever whatever the haters say, actually we do want to make buys and win leagues, and then we spent most of it being like, here's why you probably shouldn't buy. Here's why actually, if you're a team that people think should buy, you should probably sell. <laughs> It's like we're really playing to type here. Well, I, I think the the like that drives me nuts. That whole narrative on Twitter, yeah. like every time it comes up, they're like, "Oh, you guys just want to win in five years." It's like, no, you buffoons. We're gonna have a playoff team that hopefully gets the buy, and if we don't, then we don't really care. At that point, we're in the playoffs. We're just flipping our coin with everyone else. Like it doesn't matter at that point. If we have a team that's so good that we're going to bludgeon everyone then I want to accent that bludgeoning. And if I don't, then I just want to keep building until I get to that bludgeoning stage. So it's like, I don't know. It's just annoying. It's like, you don't trade, like we're not, we're not drafting, uh, who was good this year? Uh, Chris Olave. And then now that Chris Olave is scoring a whole bunch of points, we're not like, oh, maybe I can get a first round pick for Chris Olave, which is, I feel like what the meme is all the time. Right. It's like, no, maybe I could take Chris Olave and add to him and go get Justin Jefferson and then win every freaking year. Like, right. Well, what it actually is, is it's like, oh, that 28 year old wide receiver, like currently what it's like, what it really is, is like, oh yeah, I'd like to trade DeAndre Hopkins now for, I don't know, Keenan Allen plus a first round pick exactly. um, because Keenan Allen's going to provide 85% of what Hopkins is going to provide over the rest of the week. And he's probably a 35% to 40% chance to outscore Hopkins in any given week. And then I'm going to use that first round pick to hopefully draft the next Chris Olave. And then I can use that Chris Olave and whatever other first round pick that we've gotten something for when we traded somebody else that we didn't need to go get Justin Jefferson and then I'll win my league. That's, that's the process. But the reality yeah. is you're not actually sacrificing all that much now. Like it's, um, you know, we didn't lean into this that much on the last show, but like Adaiko talked about the idea of the minimum viable product um, in the Discord, and it's a really it's a really interesting notion where you you there's kind of two things you can sell at the deadline if you are a team that's notably buying is like number one you can kind of sell off some of your depth pieces, right? Depth mm -hmm. pieces are just more useful the last twelve weeks, and they're going to be moving forward. At this point, you're probably not going to suffer that many more devastating injuries. There's not going to be more bye weeks after week 13, 14. There won't be any buys in the playoffs. And so whatever those guys were that were probably getting into your lineup 80% of the weeks here to four are probably not going to be in your lineup in the playoffs. And so you can, you probably only need like one or two serviceable depth emergency options. Otherwise, like you can kind of free the rest of these guys to whatever seven seed or six seed or five seed that does not have as good of a team as you. They can probably start those players that are depth players for you that wants to buy go move those guys. And the other thing is, yeah, whatever the super high-priced veteran superstars, the Hopkins, 
the Hills, the Ackerlers, like those types that are going to depreciate in value. Yeah, if you can sell them for whatever a cheaper arbitrage version of them is and a pick, or if you can sell them for a younger version that's going to score 85% as much, do that, you know, and then you're still in contention. You still have a chance, but you're adding a little bit of value on the back end. Yeah, like if you can take your, the, I think the one that really jumps out to me is Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. They're like months apart in age. Uh, I think they're within a year of each other and they're scoring like the exact same amount. And Hopkins is considerably cheaper than than Adams. And I'm like, well, well like just go and get Hopkins and get rid of Adams. And I think one of the things that people often get hung up on is when we give like this specific example, well, you take Devontae Adams and you go and trade him for Hopkins in a, second or a couple seconds or a first or sky more or whatever and then they go and try to make that specific deal and it's like oh it didn't work it's like well, you know not a lot of people are looking to make that specific trade where they're like oh yeah no i want the security or whatever that adams has instead of hopkins you need to go and trade adams to someone else and buy mm-hmm. hopkins from someone else and that way the person isn't like making the parallel in their mind that you're you know downgrading at value while maintaining production you're trading or you're buying hopkins Mm. then you're turning around and flipping adams to someone else your team is seeing the production like stay stable but these two other teams are completely not putting it together that you've kind of like manipulated the whole situation to uh to end up scoring the same amount of points so like yeah i think the biggest thing at trading at the deadline or trading anytime is just being creative like you need to come up with ways to make it happen across the board and yeah, I had a scenario. Up. I had a scenario a few weeks ago on one of my best teams where someone uh, was like, "Hey, man, I really want Diggs," and I was like, "I have no intention of moving Diggs because Diggs is scoring a million points, and my team's in first, and so that makes a lot of sense." And he was like, "No, I really want Diggs, and I want to pay for it." I was like, "Okay," um, and I sent him like what I thought was a pretty extra offer, and he ended up doing something pretty close to it. Ended up being, I ended up giving Diggs and Jamal Williams and a third for ETN. Granted, this was like three weeks ago, ETN, so he hadn't quite fully come to this value. And Gabe Davis um, and a first. And I then immediately tried to turn around and sell Gabe Davis, but I have yet to be successful. Um, However, then uh, I was like, well, I kind of lose me a little bit out. But anyway, I was able to end up getting Keenan Allen for like a mid-second. And like, is Diggs going to score more than Keenan Allen? Sure. Uh, um, is it like a lock that in any given week he's going to score Keenan Allen? No. Uh, is Can I still potentially win with Keenan Allen or would I have lost anyway with Diggs? Like probably one of those two things. So definitely, definitely agree with being creative and, you know, Rob Peter, pay Paul, et cetera. But let's, uh, we've maybe touched on this a little bit then already kind of with the original argument, but like the kinds of players that you're looking to buy when you decide to buy you can talk about this in terms of position or in terms of value range really however you like i'm really just looking for difference makers if we're if i'm making a trade at this time of year i want somebody who's going to have a substantial impact in my in my chances of winning as far as like any one player can have a substantial impact in chances of winning so i'm looking for like the stefan diggs or the deandre hopkins or the travis kelsey or the christian mccaffrey or you know like those types of players where you're getting a bona fide difference maker. Uh, and if I'm not getting one of those, I'm probably just not really interested in making a trade for mm. a player for their production. I'll still make other trades where I can, you know, net some futures for 
some players that I don't think are part of my future. I'm happy to do that at the trade deadline, no matter what my situation is with my team. But if we're talking about buying at the trade deadline, like, like with the intention of winning the league, I think it it's a difference maker. It's nobody like I've seen people talking about going to buy like Damian uh, Pierce or mm-hmm. you know guys like that, where it's like, well, that is not gonna make a difference. Like you're, you're right. buying 14 points a game, you're probably improving your your points per game output by three. Like you're you're probably not starting less than 11 points per game in your flex. So why are you buying Damian Pierce? Yeah, but I don't want to buy around this time of year really is like EYR value unless it's someone that I super, super believe in long-term. Like I would buy an ETN, like if I was just to pay all the way up or I would buy a Justin Jefferson, whatever else, like somebody that I really believe in. But outside of that, I don't really want to buy EYR value. I think that's halving it. When I say that, I'm seeing expected years remaining. Um, and so basically like I want to maximize the production ad that I'm capable of affording. And so that's, yeah, usually buying some of the older guys that are producing a lot. Um, I usually want to do it at the positions of scarcity. Like I, uh, I've basically bought what uh, I think like three players, this deadline, I've sold a lot more. One was Adams with CMC. I bought them together. And then the other was uh, Travis Kelsey. And like those, Kelsey's like number one where I totally would. I also would at quarterback, you know, where if I'm willing to pay up to go get a big ad at quarterback. Um, and I'm definitely willing to do it with Kelsey or with Andrews. I think that that's the main spot. The other thing that I would be wanting to do is like if I have an exceedingly thin team where like maybe I've just lost some guys to injuries, but I still have enough really good players where I think I can contend. And it's like, okay, I just need to not be starting like jarek mckinnon at the flex right like i just need some sort of like baseline of competence around the rest of my team then i'm just looking like as cheap as humanly possible which means i'm also trying to buy the dusty olds like i'm trying to only spend like a third round pick to get you know one of these types of guys where i can just plug them into my lineup and they can give me some level of base competence of like replaceable starter value assuming that i'm getting enough points above replacement elsewhere right but what i don't want to be doing is buying depth and I really want to preserve those kind of buys for very unique circumstances. I don't want to be just buying like another guy. Like if I could already start Adam, like if I could already start Adam Thielen, I don't want to just like buy someone who that I'm deciding every week, should I start X or Adam Thielen? Like that's pointless. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's key to be, you know, you don't want to just be like, I'm buying. Like you definitely want to be quite targeted. Um, okay. I'll also say this. What, what are, are there any tactics that you tend to use? when you're trying to buy, trying to get the best price, trying to get the best players, are there any specific tactics that, that you try to put out there other than just like mass sending offers? I just want to go back to the prior question just for one second, because another thing <sighs> that I find doing long show pretty, pretty for hashtag. Sorry, Matt. I, I hashtag. Uh, sorry, Matt. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is that one of the things I find myself doing pretty frequently is going and looking at my team and kind of evaluating the same type of conversation you just had regarding whether or not you want to go buy like a cheap player somewhere. I'm looking at my team and figuring out, hey, look it, I got some depth here. I could unload someone and really not lose that much in terms of uh, points per game. So I'm going to go buy some injured players. Uh, yeah. For my kind of like, not necessarily my depth pieces, but like my lower end starters. Like mm-hmm. if I could uh, take a, I don't know, like a David Montgomery. That no, I don't have any David Montgomery. But if I did, really? and no, I could if take I get a hundred percent exposure, 
<laughs> I have 0% exposure. But I could take a David Montgomery oh, and trade yeah. him to get, uh, you know, somebody really good that's injured, like a, like a Kyle Pitts. If I, can, if I knew, not straight up, obviously, but if I could take a David Montgomery and something, go buy Kyle Pitts. I don't lose much from my lineup now, and I, I stack my stack my deck with Kyle Pitts for the future. That's the kind of trade that I'd also be looking to make because those David Montgomery types that are scoring like 14 points per game, they are appealing to people that don't really think – about next year when they're looking right. at their current year trades. So they're looking Absolutely. at, ooh, 14 points per game. I want that instead of looking at being like, ah, that's two points per game more than I'm already getting. So that's a pretty limited increase to my likelihood of winning. They're looking at it and thinking, oh, 14 points per game. That improves my chances of winning. That could be the difference. And then right. you net something awesome in the future on somebody who's injured. So anyways. Love it. Uh, totally, totally agree with you on that point. But uh, okay, other than buying injured, what do you have like a, any like negotiation tactics or like messaging tactics? What do you do once you've decided like I want to buy in this league and I want to buy this kind of player? What's your next step? Are you just blindly sending out offers? Are you being like at all in the chat? I want a wide receiver. Are you talking to humans? What's what's the next course of action? I I am uh, a salesman through and through. I'm, I'm doing everything you can to make a trade. So I'm in the league chat being like, hey, when are you ever gonna join a dynasty league with me? Can we do one next year for the patrons that we we are that we're both in? Yeah, sure. We'll do one next okay, year. Okay, that's on record. So like this is when I have time. I don't really have a lot of time right now. But if I had time, when I used to have time, this is what I would do. I would go to Why don't we just show. co-manage the team. We'll get and all the dynasty analysts in. We can even play in pairs. There we go. I would go into the league chat, say, hey, I'm looking to buy something. And yeah. often I won't even limit it to like, I want a wide receiver. Like, hey, I'm looking to buy a superstar. Who's looking to unload somebody expensive? I got expensive taste. And then nobody will reply. I immediately go to the DMs and I or the league rosters and I start picking out players that I want to buy. Because I'm like, well, this guy's team sucks and he's got Travis Kelsey. So I want Travis Kelsey. And I'll go into the league chat. I'd be like, hey, man, you're looking to shake things up? And usually you get some kind of response like, yeah, of course. What are you thinking? And right. then it's like, wow, I could use somebody, you know, really good. And uh, just taking a look at your roster here, and you got these four guys. Kind of one of those. Which one are you? Which would you be most willing to trade? And then usually, if their team sucks and they have Travis Kelsey, like, yeah, I'd be willing to trade Kelsey. Like, he's he's pretty old. Uh, I'm like, yeah, let's let's make it happen. What are you What are you looking for? You want draft picks? You want the young players? You want somebody that can, uh, you know, is there somebody on my team that you're particularly interested in? And then we go from there. And I like will pepper almost every manager in the league. I do this multiple times per year, or I used to anyways. I would go in like before the rookie draft, I would go and do the same thing. Hey, I'm looking to buy expensive taste. And then I go into the chat or into the DMs for every team. And I'm like, hey, man, rookie draft coming up. Or hey, gal, rookie draft coming up. Looking to make some trades. Uh, uh-huh. what, are you, what are you interested in? And away we go. Basically, yeah. Just let people talk themselves into trading with you by asking them what they want. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I think you can do everything on their terms, right? Who, what kind of players are you looking for? Who are you most willing to sell? S- same way as when you're selling, right? You're really trying to just play to their needs. You're trying to play to whatever their preferences are, right? And we're, we're just trying to make things work on their terms for the most part. Um, totally agree there. I, I don't have anything to add that's going to work in most cases beyond what you already said. But I will add one thing that's like a pretty niche spot and it's how it's, it's a way to handle bidding wars. Uh, if you ever get in a spot where 
there's really like this will happen especially in dynasty leagues that have lasted for a couple of years is you'll find that they're very stratified and you'll find that there's some teams that are just abandoned wastelands of sadness that don't have any players worth rostering ever then there's like some teams in the middle that have already sold off their pieces and they've tanked out and there's like a couple player there's like a couple teams left maybe the ones who just most recently fell out of playoff contention and they have like one or two really elite players and so everybody else is trying to buy is all trying to get that one player and you get stuck in this weird loop where all of a sudden this guy's attracting artificial market value two things number one don't participate um you can go without that player it will be fine don't pay a bunch of extra because you're stuck in a bidding war number two if there's a bidding war especially just you and one person my plan of attack that i've used multiple times although it's pretty niche and it certainly will not always work is if you see this kind of happening or you hear about other people that are offering and you get yourself in a bidding war, go to the other person and say, hey, uh, I hear we're both talking to X. They're really putting the screws to us. How about I'll just sell you my guy? And say that both of you are trying to get Barkley, and I have Dalvin Cook. And I go to the person and say, how about just give me 90% of what you're going to offer for Barkley, or 80% of what you're going to offer for Barkley for Dalvin Cook. And that person is like, oh, I get to make you worse, my primary competition. And I get to make sure that I secure, I win my guy instead of a 50% chance of one guy, 100% get this guy and I get to pay a little bit less. Absolutely. So you do that deal. And then you go to the Barkley person and you're like, oh, I'm still interested in buying. And now they have one less seller and there's no more bidding war and it's just you. And now you get to leverage the shit out of them and you end up betting Barkley for a better price than you were going to get to replace your cook. And then if you potentially want to add someone else, you can crowd all the other buyers out of the market by forcing your stuff on them, taking their stuff at better value, and then taking advantage of deleveraged sellers later. Love it. I absolutely love it. Um, That's always fun. I've never thought of doing that before. I don't don't know if I've ever been in a bidding war situation in a dynasty league. bidding war situation. It's always fun. Uh, I think the leverage is a big part too. I think it's like one thing that it's like everybody feels like when you're in the position to sell, you feel like there's no buyers. And when you're buying, it feels like nobody's selling. And it's important to remember that everybody on the other side of the phone or other side of the call, other side of the whatever feels the same pressure as you do. If, if there's a team that's three and nine, they do not want to be stuck with CMC or Travis Kelsey or whatever else on their roster when the clock strikes midnight. Unless they're an idiot, that's fine. Some people are idiots. But you should rely on, like, most people don't actually want to. And if they're putting up a front to try and squeeze the most out of you, you can play the waiting game. You also get to know your league mates. If they're charging an absurd price that you don't think that your league mates would pay, just be like, okay, here's my standing offer. It's fine. And circle back late and take advantage of that owner because the as, as a seller loses more and more and more time, they have way, way less leverage because they do not want to have that player on their roster when, when the deadline hits. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, that's pretty much what I would do. I, like, I, again, never really been in bidding wars, but I, I do that all the time where it's like, hey, like this is my offer. This is as much as I'm willing to pay. Um you know, shop around, see if you can get something else. If you can't, then let's let's dance later. <laughs> it's kind of a uh, yeah. yeah. So the, the other thing I was going to mention is uh, when you're negotiating, I would always be the one to make the first offer. You want to get the anchor price in uh, with something that you're comfortable with because mm. the anchor price always locks you into a certain range of value. Right. And if they, you let them set it, they can set an unrealistic range, and then it's near impossible to get them off that range. 
If you hmm. set it and you're reasonable, you're going to get a reasonable trade if a trade goes down. So always try to make the first offer. I wouldn't like, I'm, I always say I, I never make blind offers, but honestly, at this point in time, it's, it's I, not, I love it's not hard so to do, do by the way, because most people don't want to make the first offer. Yeah. So it's actually well, not hard. Some people to think that you shouldn't. I'm like what? Right. That is insane. I mean, I think it depends on the person. If you think the person you're dealing with is a total idiot, then I probably wouldn't want to make the first offer because like, if this is a person that regularly does horrific trades, then it might be good to do that. Um, I think the biggest thing that I always try to do is like, I'm totally down to make the first offer. What I don't want to do is piss somebody off by sending them a value, sending them an offer that they think is terrible. And usually I don't try to send terrible offers. So usually why an offer that I send would be perceived of as terrible is if I send them a bunch of players that they don't like, like that they like considerably less in the market. And so I usually try to talk over with them who they're willing to sell and who they're interested in for my team. And once I know that, then I absolutely want to be the one selling send the first offer. Oh yeah. And in the, in the conversation, like when usually, like I said, well, message everyone, Hey, like I'm looking to shake things up. What are you, what are you feeling? You like anybody on my team? I'll, I'll send them a list of players. I liked it. And I'm like, I like these four players on your team, which would you be most comfortable moving? And then I'm like, is there anybody on my team that you like? Like, give me a list of players that you like. and I'll tell you who right. I'd like to move. And then usually you can find some common ground from that standpoint. Plus they might like players that you didn't really consider selling to them, uh, right. which opens up another Avenue that you wouldn't have, had if you didn't have a conversation so absolutely anyway. all right love that on to the next next question here let's just give me one or two um top high-end elite players that you're looking to target and then one or two lower tier budget buys that you're looking to target in trades that you think are cost effective I think right now the players that I'd be looking to target that are the higher tier, we already mentioned Travis Kelsey. I think he should be kind of an eternal buy at the deadline in yeah. every league, every year. Yeah. Um, another one that I'd be looking to buy right now that's that's not inexpensive <laughs> would be someone like a Kyler Murray where we're going to have multiple years left. I think he's discounted because he hasn't been great. He's still been fine. Like if you buy Kyler Murray and he does what he's been doing all year, he's not going to lose your league by any stretch. And I think we have a bounce back coming maybe yeah. this year or if not this year then certainly in the in the near future so someone like kyler murray i think would be really exciting to uh to go and buy absolutely and then like outside of that it's like christian mccaffrey where i can get like that unlimited ceiling uh whether or not it materializes or not we'll 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 find out but there's so few players in the world that have that unlimited ceiling that i'd be very interested in getting a christian mccaffrey right now I like agree with all those, honestly. So those are pretty much the three players I was going to name. Uh, I'll add Lamar Jackson as being the other one because he's had kind of a down stretch for a while. Um, and so like, I throw him at like he's Kyle. still like sixth overall though. Like he, there's not really a discount there. I mean, I don't really need a discount to buy Lamar he, Jackson. Like he, if, he's like, available where he may not have been available. That's that's, that's how I feel though. But that's fine. Like I don't like I don't need to buy Lamar Jackson at a discount. I just. Like whenever there's a quarterback in that tier, that is that owners might be more willing to make available than usual, then I want to buy them. I don't need a discount to buy Lamar Jackson. I just need yeah. an opportunity to buy Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. And I do like what you said about Hopkins. Like I've been a little bit reluctant to fully buy into the Hopkins Renaissance just because he had such a down year last year. But with each passing game, it becomes harder to dispute the fact that he's just fully back and that we can almost treat 2021 like it never happened. And if we should feel like that way, sorry, 
You can treat it like he was hurt. But he kind of wasn't. Like, he was hurt eventually, but he was bad before he got hurt. But he got hurt in training camp. Got hurt in training camp? Yeah, and then he played through it the whole year until he got is hurt. This real news? Is, this, is this real news or is this fan fiction? No, he got hurt in training camp. You serious? I don't why know. do you think I was arguing for Hopkins? That was my whole argument of why we should be buying Hopkins all summer. You all yeah, good for all, you. I mean, you I actually, I. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the here's the fun thing. About, here's the fun thing about heuristics is that Coop and I were like, we're not buying Hopkins, and then we like looked at the price, and then we started doing startups, and then we we're like, oh, I guess we're buying Hopkins. I drafted Hopkins in, like all my startups. He's going like the eleventh, and I was like. Wow. Um, just always buy suspended because then even when you always buy injured and always buy suspended because then you can Calvin Ridley, great buy right now. That's a great point. I love it. Love that oh, point. Yeah. Great well, I love Calvin Ridley right now, but I've struggled to be able to <laughs> for sure. Um, okay. And then how about, how about at the discount aisle? Um, who are your top, who are your top guys in the discount aisle? If you're in that spot where you just need some level of base confidence, if you suffered a major injury, you have to start someone truly gnarly. You just need one other spot that's like, okay, this lineup can actually be set now. I like. I don't really know that I'm buying anyone like that. Maybe like a Cordell Patterson or something like that. Uh, yeah, if I need like a filler, James Conner would be another one. If I just needed kind of like a an RB two that I think could be like a David Montgomery, like 14 points per game, maybe maybe a little higher ceiling on James Conner if they pass him the ball. Um, I think one of the guys I'm actually kind of interested in buying that's pretty pretty cheap, and I, I don't necessarily know it's a one-year thing, is Paris Campbell. Um, I think, like, he's kind no. of been popping Stop the it. last few weeks. Stop and uh, Stop he's it. not that expensive, and he's got pedigree. He outproduced Terry McLaurin at Ohio State in university Stop. or in college. He's been injured his whole career, and I'm just this like, you know, what if? What if? Uh, I'm not like a hundred percent. Like I'm not. I'm not plastering him with an A grade. Like we must go and get Paris Campbell. Yeah, you but are. But if Paris Campbell were to find his way into one of my trades and ended up on my roster, I wouldn't hate it. But uh, I'm, I'm much more interested in buying like the running backs to fill the void at this point. Like the okay. the um, well, what, my my number one is Keenan Allen. Because oh, yeah, he's, he's never been one. anything but a low end wide receiver one or high end wide receiver two, basically since his third year in the league. Uh, yeah. He's been injured all season this year, so people are pretty afraid of him. And uh, now Mike Williams has re-aggravated his high ankle sprain, so it's like not at all out of the realm of possibilities that Keenan Allen could, over the playoffs, marshal like a twenty-eight to thirty percent target share in a Justin Herbert offense and be a top ten wide receiver. That's great. Uh, so, and I mean, I've always thought that Keenan Allen would age really well, barring injury, because he's never been remotely fast, anyways. So, like, what he's going to lose his athleticism? He's never had athleticism, so yeah, he doesn't uh, really like athleticism. No, he sure he sure does not. So, I like Keenan Allen as a buy, and then the other one is probably Devin Singletary. Like, he's been playing up over seventy five percent of the snaps uh, for most of this stretch, even after adding Naheem Hines. People still don't attach any value to him. I think he's a reasonable enough player. I wouldn't pay more than like late second value. And I'd rather get that late second round value, not in a late second, but in like a Josh Palmer and Nico Collins or some other guy. Um, but that's, that's one. If you do need a little bit of running back help, I think I don't mind Singletary. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I feel similarly about, but I think that he was probably a better buy two weeks ago before he had the big game. 
Devin Singletary is scoring 12 points per game. They just traded for Naeem Hines and they just gave James well, he needed base confidence and for like a late second pick. I thought, I don't think he's great. Oh, you know who actually, you know who's actually a good buy? No. Who? You know, do you know who's actually a good buy? Devin Singletary is more expensive than James Conner right now. You know that? Okay, I immediately retract. Immediately yeah. retract. Okay, Devin James Singletary Conner is way better buy. Okay, never mind. Immediately retract. Immediate retraction. I mean, okay, who, who's the good buy though? I would like to know who the good buy is. Okay, because you gave us a bad buy. Now give us a good buy. I like to retract Devin Singletary. Why is he that expensive? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Um, I have him in a couple of leagues. I've been trying to sell him, and he's he's not good for anything. But then again, I've been trying to buy him, and I can't get him. So, okay, I'm gonna give you a guy. We got another one. You go. You go first. I'm gonna give you a guy who's currently valued about the same as a late 2024 second, which means that you don't actually have to give a late 2024 second. You can give any number of bomb ass players that are worth a late 2024 second. All right. All right. His current keep trade cup value is 2801. And what if I were to tell you that I think that there's like a 60 to 70% chance this player will actually be a clear cut starting running back next year. Uh, and at least in a timeshare for the rest of this year, his name is Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> You're buying Ezekiel Elliott. I am because here's the thing. Every what? game that Tony Pollard plays this well, it is impossible for his contract next year to be paid by the Dallas Cowboys alongside Zeke's. So that means best case scenario, Tony Pollard is the one who gets paid by some team that isn't Dallas. And if that's the case, Dallas has no incentive to cut Zeke. And then there's no reason for them to not just play Zeke on 80% of the snaps. Like, I think it's entirely possible that next year Zeke is back to like an 80% workload share for the Dallas Cowboys in a top five team in the NFL. Okay, I, that's not to take. Love it. And okay, and if he's not, and if he's not, like he's going to play somewhere because he has a reputation. Yeah. Like, all right. Okay, as bad as I think Zeke is, like we just looked at the seasons that like Connor and Fournette had last year, right? I don't think that Zeke is demonstrably worse than those guys. I think that the whole Zeke thing is about like that he's bad and that Pollard's way better. But I don't think that Zeke is like physically incapable of like moving with a football or catching a football. I think he's fine. Yeah, no, I we just talked about selling Ezekiel Elliott earlier, and now you're saying to buy Ezekiel Elliott. So I feel like you're giving a mixed message to the world. When did uh, I say to sell him before? Was listening. And uh, okay. when did I say to sell him before? I mean, like I said, I don't know. I said, oh, you sell him for somebody like Ezekiel Elliott, or you'd sell somebody like Ezekiel Elliott for him, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for Zach Wilson? Yeah, yeah, Zach Wilson. That's who it was. Yeah, I think I would. But I think among... I mean, what, you're going to... You're going to... You're gonna, I thought you're you were right. going to be excited about this one. You're going to let me right. sim for Zeke alone? You're not going to get in on this? I'm, it's not like I'm a big Zeke fan, and I just think he's yes, never going to... Yes, you are. You love Zeke. You love Zeke. My stance is always... <laughs> you made a whole thread last year that we should be buying Zeke. Hey? One of your worst threads of all time was last August when you made a big thread about buying Zeke. Yeah, like RB15, and then he scored 14.8 fantasy points per game. And then, do you know what I said about Zeke Elliott this year? Absolutely what? nothing. 
<laughs> Radio silence on Zeke. I had no no take on Zeke Elliott. I did not want to name off. I'm going to name off some running backs that are ahead of Zeke on keep trade cut that I would feel much more confident about Zeke having touches next year than than these other guys. Okay. All right. First, Rashad White. Second, Miles Sanders. Third, Isaiah Pacheco. Fourth, Khalil Herbert. Fifth, Brian Robinson. Sixth, Antonio Gibson. Seventh, Jamal Williams. Then Devin Singletary, James Cook, Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, James Conner, Michael Carter are all ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. If I was to bet straight up carries next year, Zeke versus all of those guys, I would take the Zeke side in every single one of those. But who's I'm not saying I would take. I'm, I'm not saying that I would take Zeke in Dynasty over every single one of those. But if I was to just take like a straight up bet PPR points, Zeke versus those guys in 2023, I'm taking Zeke over every single one of them. All right. Yeah. I. I he's valued, honestly, he's yeah. valued the exact same as Tyler Algier. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I think it's completely fine to say go buy Zeke Elliott. I think. I think it's an interesting look on the Jacob Sanderson <laughs> brand, and uh, I'm so random about that. But uh, I'm I'm fine with it. I think another one, like if we're talking about who's going to be starting running back next year, I wouldn't hate buying Leonard Fournette right now. Like I think he's probably starting running back somewhere as well. Yeah, that's true. uh, He's he's got a higher upside because he catches a lot of passes. He always has. So and Leonard Fournette is valued very similarly to Ezekiel Elliott. In fact, he's valued low. Is Leonard Fournette is currently valued lower than Ezekiel Elliott, and that is madness. I'm changing all my answers. Leonard Fournette is the guy. That's okay, the guy what? He's probably Why? what? Well, he's already been replaced, but it's fine. Yeah, he, well, like, yeah, like it's he's probably not what he was, but Wait, this is pricing what? him like he's never I anything. I don't actually, I don't actually understand that. So all those. <laughs> Key trade cuts running back ranks are just a trip, man. Like, yeah, they're wild. Anyway, the guy I was gonna say, remember, I was like, oh, I got a guy, I got a guy. If we're yeah. looking for like a cheap fill-in player that I would be interested in going to acquire right now, today, on November twenty-second, you'll probably listen to this on like the twenty-fourth. The guy I want to go and buy is none other than uh, shoot, what is his name? Oh yeah, it's Jacoby. Of course, you want to buy Jacoby right now. Yeah, he you can just plug him in. He ain't expensive. He's only like what twenty six or so, uh, so he's not that old. You got a couple of years left with him. It's not like we're buying him for this next five six weeks. We're buying him for the next five six weeks, and then he'll just sit on our roster for the next three or four years, doing his thing, scoring twelve to fifteen fantasy points per game. It's gonna be great. So Jacoby Myers is somebody I'd be interested in going to buy right now. If I were yeah, looking like, for just like a fill in player to put in my flex spot, if somebody gets hurt or. Or, or or even just as a, a flex starter if I don't have one. I like that call. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the last one is probably Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, because yeah. he is... Four, four touchdowns did you, did you, on Monday Night Football. I mean, do you know that he's the QB 11 points per game? I have heard that, yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think, the highest he's ever been. I mean, look, it is if you have Kyle Shannon as your offensive coordinator and you throw to Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, like unless you're worst quarterback in the NFL bad, you can't really fail in that environment. Oh, uh, player profiler has him as QB 14. So oh. maybe that's a little off. I think the, the danger with buying like Jimmy Garoppolo right now and expecting yeah. like 17 points per game is that we just had a four touchdown game. There's yeah, I know. It would have been a better week. It would have been better a week ago. Both him and Daniel Jones are like my two favorite cheap buys, and they both had way too good of games this week. Yeah. 
Well, I think the, the issue is that you look at it and you're like, oh, 17 points per game. That's that's what we should expect. Except it just got fucking like skyrocketed because of this week. Like prior to this, he was at like 14 points per game. And this week just jacked it right up. So well, how about this? How about this? Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I bet you get, to- bet you get Tom Brady for a couple top. thirds in some places. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'd be Not way more interested in Tom Brady than like uh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, why? I'm never okay. have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady straight up, or, or you just mean like at cost? Oh, like a, like as a buy, like at value. Tom Brady's only 2,200 yeah, yeah. KTC points. He's basically okay. free. Okay. Aaron, oh, Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is, is only tw- is it, Aaron Rodgers is only 2,800 though. That's pretty crazy. Is he? I thought he was 3,000 something. Yeah, players ahead of Aaron Rodgers on Keep cool. Trade Cut today include Zach Wilson, Michael Carter, and Sky Moore. Okay, well, I don't hate buying Aaron Rodgers at that price. Yeah. Then. Uh, I'd probably still prefer to get Tom Brady. But uh, that's not as bad for Rodgers. I thought he was more than that. Yeah, I'd pay a like second. Rodgers scoring 15.6 points per game. So, like, yeah, that's tough. And I don't know that that's really going to get better rest of season. Whereas I feel like Tom Brady's. No, no Tom Brady is second lowest to Russell Wilson on both of those uh, touchdown rate metrics. He's getting yeah. jobbed by a variance. Okay. Um, I think that's enough for today. We got it in at 148. That's like a new record for us. That's pretty quick yeah. pod. Um, any final thoughts? Yes. I have I have no final thoughts other than uh, no, I have no final thoughts. I'm final thought free. We love that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, my name is Jacob Sanderson. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. You can find Drew on Twitter at DFB Encounter. You can find this show, Sweat and Bullets, a fantasy football podcast, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, it has been a pleasure to come to you every week. We will be back next week, or at least Drew will be. I might be out next week or the week after, one of the two, with uh, law exam type situational variants. I will be letting the team down. But uh, otherwise, find us in the Bulletproof Patreon. Uh, the link to that is right at the top of Drew's Twitter account. You can make sure to join us. You can ask us pretty much anything except for trade questions, and we'll answer everything else but trade questions. Uh, and yeah, have a splendid rest of your time. Enjoy your Dynasty trade deadlines, and enjoy your Dynasty playoffs. Win those ships so that you can tell the haters and losers on Twitter, of which they are many, that you do play to win championships. Good luck out there. <laughs>